From Deep Inside the Death Star, I'm Andrew Richards. And I'm Jacob. And I'm Jordi. And welcome to Defrag Tools, the show that takes you inside Windows and inside Microsoft. We've got Jacob and Jordi here from the debugging team, continuing on from last week, talking about time travel debugging, TTD. How about you guys quickly tell us uh, what you do for Microsoft and, uh, and uh, yeah, what you do. Yeah, so I've been uh, working on this time uh, travel debugging for about three and a half years. Before then, I've been working on Xbox and video games for pretty much all my life. Cool. Yeah, I'm Jordi. I actually am the architect and engineering lead for the time travel debugging tools. And before that, my last work was on the copy UI of Windows 8. That little graph thing, which yes. is awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank cool. you. Glad you like it. So uh, last week, we uh, kind of announced TTD, time travel debugging, and how it lets you capture a trace that goes both forwards and backwards in time for a debugger. We're going to use that today and delve into some of the technical details of it. So how about we just jump into some jump into the detail? So instead of debugging a, a, a little program that we created for this, we decided to take a piece of software that is used for real. So we actually use a piece of software that Microsoft has open source, so you guys can take a look at it and you can debug it and we can, we'll be able to show you source code. We took the Chakra core, which is the engine behind Edge and IE to do JavaScript and part of the operating system, and we injected the bug on it. And what we are going to do is load the Chakra core engine inside of the debugger, run on a script, this is a script that we see here, which is not anything terribly complicated, and we'll run it a few times, the debugger will crash, and we're going to try to debug the problem. Cool. So, Should we just get, jump into it and get the demo going? Uh, yes. Yeah. So the first thing I'm going to do is actually run the demo without time travel debugging. Let's take a, a look at how this, how this crashes. So I'm actually going to uh, launch WinDBG, uh, but I'm going to launch the console debugger, so it takes less of the real space. And uh, let's take a look. The debugger takes a, a little bit to, to come up. And just let's go. So the debugger is debugging Notepad here. Yes, the debugger is debugging Notepad. And what I'm going to do here is, first of all, load the Chakra engine that I, we injected the back on. So this is going to be here. Yes, provider. So this is the Chakra debugger engine rather than the Chakra engine itself? No, this is the debugger uh, has an extension, and that extension uses the Chakra engine, the same one that you can find in Edge or oh, IE. Yeah. And uh, I'm loading the debugger extension that loads the Chakra engine. So we're using the debugger as a, as a Chakra host rather exactly. than, than a browser or something like that. Yes, it's less code that is not part less of Chakra. overhead. Exactly. Yeah, so you, we have less noise to, uh, to dig through. This is the script. We run it one time, two times, three times, and now crashy boom. It crashed. Let's take a look. So we've debugged. We're debugging the debugger that's yes. loaded a JavaScript extension that uses the Chakra engine. Yes. Okay. Just so a couple of layers there, but you know, it's it's a real world demo, though, right? This is how complex things get. So uh, we can look at, at at things here like the memory. Uh, uh, or things. Let's look at the stack. It's probably the, the, the interesting piece uh, later on. And if we look at the stack, we see it's a long stack. Yep. A lot of things here. And now chasing something is a bit of a splunking expedition. So we can see from the bottom, it starts in NTDLL, the standard place that you're going to get threads from. Then we move into NTSD, which happens to be the, 
Stellar debugger we wanted to use. You could have used CDB or WinDBG as well. Yes. And then it moves up through um, the JavaScript extension, the JS provider, or through, through DBGNs first, the, the debugger it's engine itself, through JS provider, which is the debugger extension. Correct. And then it went into Chakra, which is the JavaScript interpreting engine that Edge provides. And then finally, inside Chakra, we've had a, we've had a, a crash. In fact, the crash is in the memory part of Chakra. Chakra is a garbage collected system, which means you allocate memory and when he has some pressure, you compact it to be able to recover some of that memory. So odds are we corrupted something here, we compacted it here, and then we crashed even further down the road. So, so without time travel debugging, this would be a really, really hard situation to oh debug. Yes. Memory corruption, particularly because it's so far away from where you are now, there's very little breadcrumb left, in, in a, particularly in a dump file. And so, um, I mean, really, if you've got this situation in right now before time travel debugging, you're kind of stuck, really, aren't you? Yes. Or at best, you may turn on some tracing, I guess, um, and hope to guess that I was doing this type of operation and then this operation led what happened after it, maybe, or something. There's no easy solution. No. I have, uh, in the past, looked at the pattern in the place that is corrupted and look at where do I allocate the pattern like this one? ETW tracing for allocation and deallocation, but for Chakra, it does not work that way because the allocator is different. Yeah. So yes, it's a little bit of a tough thing, yeah. which often means it gets postponed because it's hard and then, yeah. yeah. So let's take a look at this with time travel debugging. So it's the same example as before, but I'm going to record the process. Yep. I'm going to trace the trace here in channel nine, the folder that for some reason I call channel nine. Lack of imagination in my yeah. part. As before, the debugger will take a little bit to come up. And here we have it. So I'm going to do the same thing as before. I'm going to load the extension of the debugger that loads Chakra Core. So, uh, so this is exactly the same execution as before. There's just a, a recording engine around the process. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm going to run the same script as before. It takes a little bit longer to run, but it's not. I mean, horrible. it's still quite responsive. So I mean, it's not like it's a, a 200x or a no. uh, overhead thing here. It's it's no. it's sub 100% overhead. Uh, I'm guessing. So this is this is crashing again. Yeah. So. Uh, now, instead of breaking into the debugger before, because this was kind of like running isolation, you yes. saw Windows Air reporting kick in. Exactly. Yeah. And now what is going to happen is, where is my commands window? On left. Thank you. No, left. Where's this command? <laughs> <laughs> there ah. we go. So it indexed the trace automatically. When we record it, this is optimized for recording purposes. Now we want to optimize it for debugging purposes. So it kind of like resequences the file or yes. something, or just changes the file format. Exactly. So before we go into this too deep, uh, let's take a look at the same process. Uh, Jacob is going to look at it with the unoptimized mm -hmm. code, the normal C++ code that you look and you normally line in the debugger with unoptimized bits. Mm -hmm. So source, source lines of code work. Mm -hmm. and all of that, then we are going to look at it optimized just to, to show that it works both ways. So that's kind of like the debug versus release exactly. way of compiling. Yep. Yep. So um, uh, in the previous defrag tools, you know, where we've showed the basics, you know, you saw what it happens when you load a trace. Um, in this case, we have it loaded and uh, 
because we know that there was a crash, we actually had a little, have a little shortcut, uh, which is this bang and ends command. Uh, it gives you a few hints about things that you can get from the trace. Uh, in this case, we want an exception. So uh, we see we have one and... So exception of type hardware. Yeah, type hardware, the code, if you care, is access violation, which is... A hardware-based event. <laughs> yeah, accessing memory that's not there. So a software-based um, one would be something like raise exception being called manually by someone's code correct. rather than the, the actual CPU causing some type of hardware exception that, yes. that the kernel has propagated up into the user mode and then finally manifested as a as the exception in the process. Yeah, exactly. Correct. In, as we will see uh, in the debugger, uh, the, these exceptions manifest themselves as if they, they would in, in, in time travel debugging yes. or not normal debugging. They manifest the same way if you want. So. That is correct. We just execute and hit it, or we have a nice little shortcut that just takes us to the point where the exception happens. So there's um, these key important points in time that are recorded in the trace, and we've just you know, press play on the DVR to that point, in that frame in, in the video, if you want to call it that, right? Mm -hmm. And then you've paused at that point. Exactly. Yeah, I'm going to close the little script because we don't need it. Um, yep. Just get all the real But if you were debugging and you said to stop on exceptions, we will stop on exceptions when we replay forwards or backwards. If you say stop mm -hmm. on model, you know you're replaying forwards, we will stop on the model load. So those things work. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it's analogous to the live debugging experience, you just happen to be logging, debugging through like a DVR of, the, of exactly. a live broadcast. You yeah. call that, yep. Yeah, complete, yeah. Wait. complete ability to go anywhere with the recorded. Yeah, I think the VHS DVR analogy really works quite well here in the yeah. idea of playing forward and backwards and having chapter points yeah. and, and stuff like that. It's actually more like a DVD because you can seek. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to actually rewind. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's not exactly yeah. like the tape. Yeah. Uh, no, no, this is, this is the better one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. Um, so we got into, uh, into a position in the middle of the trace where the exception happened. Um, and uh, we see that um, uh, where are these? Uh, this is actually the same place that we saw before. In the live right? debugger, yeah. In the live debugger, if we were to um, uh, get the call stack, um, uh, we'd see that it looks uh, very similar to before. Um, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Laptops, gotta love them. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we see that it goes right there. Yeah, it went through the same thing for NT kernel, debug, mm -hmm. JScript provided, chakra, chakra memory area. Yeah. Yep. So let me get the locals too, just because it makes things a little easier. Ooh, uh, wow. Good on the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I need to get it. That one, you want that one right over there? There. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. get it just here. There we go. Perfect. So, um, what we see here is uh, the this, which is the uh, the object that this get next function belongs to, uh, is just um, it's garbage. This is <laughs> this is not a good address for for a this for object. Quite frankly, uh, we open it and it just can't. The bar can't uh, yeah, read from good. that address. So that's uh, th that's good. So the question is, where did these come from? And yeah, seeing minus two in any pointer is never a good thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. The nice thing about time travel debugging is we can go backwards. That's yep. the whole point of it. So let's just uh, let's just go backwards. Uh, 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 just one step, and then now that this is just garbage because it's at the beginning of the function. And uh, oh. 
backwards a bit more. Okay. So, in here we see that uh, uh, this mem block is where the this pointer came from, and we can see it's yep. garbage. Uh, so we just need to keep going back. Backwards. Um, uh, just went into a function. Oop. So we just come back out of it. We're going back more. Yeah, still going back. So we're obviously um, walking back in time here. Yeah, we're just we're just going back one little step at a time until we see something that is interesting. Like you know, we see that memblog is about to be assigned over here, um, and it's going to be assigned from these free object list. Let's see what that is. Um, so it's not one of the locals, so we can just. Uh, Ask the debugger for Ask it. Ask the debugger for it. And sure enough, this is bad, uh, just the bad data is in free object list. So we need to track where that one came from, yep. right? Um, we can keep going backwards. Mm. Which could be a long way. It can, it can, be, a, it can be long, yeah. yeah. So, or we can just go and um, uh, figure out where that is stored. Mm. By the way, I happen to know that it's part of the, this object. That's why we didn't see it here, but we don't care. You know, we just uh, request the address for that thing. So and uh, we've read the address here, then use that address. The address, address where this bad value was found. Yeah. So yeah. that address exists somewhere. Mm -hmm. So by putting the ampersand on the front, we've dereferenced it backwards and found out where in memory that value is, like mm -hmm. the, the key to the value, you want to call that. Whoa. And so that's the address that we actually care about. You know, who changed, the, who put the FFFFF FFFFE mm -hmm. in that memory region. Correct. So what we do is we set up uh, a data breakpoint. You know, basically, data breakpoint hit whenever something, somebody writes to the address, right? So I think most people will be familiar with normal breakpoints, which is you know stop when we hit this function, for mm -hmm. example. But you can set it on when data changes, mm -hmm. and um, there's a slight difference, isn't there? So data breakpoints versus code breakpoints. Code breakpoints are done by change the assembler normally, right? They insert uh, mm -hmm. an int three. Hardware breakpoints, there's a limit. They use the debugger, the debug registers of the CPU, correct? And mm -hmm. there's only four from memory, or some magic number. Is that different to this? Is yes. <laughs> we have Slightly. <laughs> about as many as you want. Yeah. So if you're live debugging and you try to do a break on access, which means uh, yeah, at this memory address, you can only do four at once because or the Intel CPU only has four registers for it. This is unlimited, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So you're going to set the breakpoint on the access. Uh, on the access on right. The other thing to notice is that Jacob got the address the same way you would get the address in C++. And I'm pressing in front of the variable and move on. So it's yeah. Yeah. normal syntax. Yeah. Yep. DX is the way of typing an expression and figuring out what it is. Yes. So if you, well, um, if you don't know if something will work, think C++, type it in, uh, next yeah. to the X, and so odds are it will work. Mm -hmm. yeah. And with tab completion, you don't even have to type much. So. Yeah. <laughs> so you said um, there's read, write, and execute. Yes. So write. So if people are reading from this, you don't really care. They're not the person who's the culprit of making this bad thing. So that's why you chose a write access over read. Right. right. 
Yeah, we, we want to know where this value came from, yeah. not who has actually been observing it. Yes. The other thing to notice is that we say the size, how many bytes do we want to, to, to monitor. These others monitor eight bytes, just in case someone changed the last few bits of it and that's what broke it, or it changed the whole thing, so that's the range that we monitor. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, now we just... Play backwards. Play backwards. Go. Okay. Break point zero hit. Excellent. And it hit right here. We can just step one step backwards because data breakpoints, they actually hit right after the instruction. <laughs> oh, so it's, it's like a, um, the symbol return address of a yeah. function. You're always seeing where you return to after the mm -hmm. function ends rather than the call into the function. Yes. Yes. Same thing as this, okay. The, the, the CPU, that's what it does with the hardware breakpoints. You know, right after the actual access happens, that's when it hits. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, so, so, so let's see. So it's reactive, not preemptive. Pre okay. Right. So we see that this is where we are uh, uh, assigning this variable, and we're assigning it with the return of yet another get next. <laughs> okay. So so let's just step into it backwards. Right. See where that value comes from. Uh, here you go. So um, comes from this tag next. Let's see. If you expand this, we see tag next is negative one. In this case, sign. Yep. That's basically pre pretty close to what it was. It's like you know, FFFFE. E, yeah. This minus two. Yeah. <laughs> this is minus one, and it's just this little expression that's basically clearing the lower bit. Yep. Um, Which makes it two so. rather than one. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, basically, this is. The, it looks like this is where it came from. Um, so, so someone shouldn't have written that line of code. That's a pretty bad line of code. Huh? <laughs> that's a bad line of code, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with these yeah. code. So this is now this doesn't seem to be where the bug is happening. Yeah. Let's go backwards a little bit more, but first we need to set another breakpoint because we need to figure out where this value, this negative one, came from. Right? Yep. Uh, so same as before. Uh, and then uh, it's tag next. Uh, Break on access, we're doing a write. Mm -hmm. We're choosing eight because it's 64 bit. You'd choose four if it was 32 bit. Uh, yep. Um. And then we just execute backwards. Is there a keystroke for backwards? Is it hmm? is there a, G, a G minus? You hit the same breakpoint as before. Uh, wait, yeah, this is breakpoint zero, which is right here, which is the same as I hit before. Let me see, let me see, let me see. What breakpoints do I have? Those two. And the one I care about now is the second one. So I hit the first one. And you see, it's actually, hmm, I can show you. See, this is where free object list is being assigned again. So we don't care about this, right? Yeah. You know, this is not a bad value being assigned to free object list. We, need, we want to track the other one. So uh, let's just clear it. Or disable it anyway. Yeah, yeah I'll disable it. But uh, is there any overhead for we, keeping? We a have lot all of the console logs, so we can put it back. Yeah. <laughs> is there um, is there uh, overhead in keeping multiple break pads, uh, break points, but disabled ones? Is it is that a cost? Disable versus, uh, clear versus disable, really. Uh, no, there isn't no. any any real cost. I mean, it consumes a little bit of memory for the debugger to remember, but it's nothing compared to the overall picture. So no, yeah. mm -hmm. disabling is just fine. Okay. Yep. So now we go back. Uh, that's bad. Okay. Uh, and, hmm. Oh, hmm. 
that looks like our value, and this looks like the bug that we introduced. Yeah. Now, where is this bug happening? It's happening inside of Chakra Core, and instead of inside of some other code that has nothing to do with the other one. Yeah. Um, which is was part of the intent with this demo, of course. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first saw this, I, when I first joined Microsoft, I want to have a shout out to Nick Rosenfeld who taught me debugging. He taught me how to do this the hard way. And mm -hmm. with you know, forward tracing and breakpoints, and you know, I spent maybe a week doing this one exercise. And he goes, now I'm going to show you time travel debugging, and you, know, you solve it in five minutes, right? Yeah. And I was both enraged and ecstatic at the <laughs> same time. I was enraged that I had did it the hard way, but at least it taught you the fundamentals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then from that's the last day I ever did it the hard way. <laughs> so um, yeah, this is tremendously, tremendously powerful when it comes to memory corruptions particularly. Yeah. Who caused X? Um, yeah. yeah, memory exactly. corruption. Yeah. Stack yeah. corruptions, which is a form of memory corruptions, heap, all of it just goes away quickly. Yeah. And basically, anything to do with access violation probably can, uh, is, is definitely in the wheelhouse of this. Access violations is about 50% of all crashes out there, or mm -hmm. there's a reason for crashes. So yeah, this is definitely applicable to a huge mm -hmm. array of situations. Yeah. And if you haven't recorded it, and there's no access violation, but you can actually spot where you already have bad data of any sort, yeah. you can just track it back from there. Yeah. That's a, a good point. You can do binary search for a bug if you don't know where it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I have done it. Just you know, this is the program, let me stop in the middle. You know, is the bug there? No, okay. Uh, the middle of the second half and, and, and so forth. In fact, uh, on the previous video, uh, they talked about the bank TT command, which positions to a given place. You actually can do bank TT and a percentage yeah. and go to the end of the trace. And then you can see, uh, then but you can choose like twenty-seven percent, and you would be yeah twenty-seven percent. That's where you are. I was halfway through the trace. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing I'm going to do to show that the exception indeed hits is I'm going to clear all the breakpoints and just go play forward. And we are exactly where Jacob started with yeah. with, with the exception, <laughs> and just for. Uh, Going back now to the other session, this is the same thing we recorded, mm -hmm. and this is optimized code. And the reason why I wanted to do a quick pass on optimized code, and we will do it far quicker, there's no point on, on, on going through the, the same stuff again, is to show that you know if this happens on a customer machine and you don't have the debug bits on a customer machine, you can debug it and you can sort of... Still doable. Yes, it's still doable. I mean, you've got that linker optimization there, but it's not that... bad. For, uh, yeah. for many of these things, you can at least figure out Instruction up or down where it is. It, it, it really is, is usually enough. Let's, yeah. let's take a look. Again, it's not as easy as the other one, but it's, it's not terribly hard. So I'm going to essentially follow the same steps as Jacob followed. And as I'm going to look at the bank events, and I'm going to list the exceptions. And as Jacob's case before, I have one exception that is here. So if we go, it's exactly the same exception as before. And if I make a little bit more room for the command window, we will see that it's that minus two value that we were seeing before. Yeah. So, so put the breakpoint here. Go backwards. Perfect. UB. So, so we hit the return of the function like before Jacob did hit. So now, let's look at where we are. Let's disassemble these backwards for a moment. And if we look at this, <coughs> we did just put the value 
of RCX into this memory, which is why we broke here. Yep. The value of RCX RAX. is... RAX. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Kim... Had a bit flip. Had a bit flipped. And we read it from this RCX address. Okay, great. N not a lot of assembly needed to understand this much. And you're not just, if you should know that you read from the right and write to the left. I hate that phrase. So yes. you read from the right and write to the left is how most assembler works in, in Intel. Um, and you can kind of get a gist. Whenever you see square brackets, you're dereferencing the memory. Yes. So I'm going to just put a breakpoint there. Let's disable the uh, first one. Disable yeah. the first one because yeah. we do no longer need it. And if we go backwards, now, voila, with a little bit of emotion because it hides it at the top, <laughs> we are exactly at the same spot as before. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can definitely uh, approach this in a pure uh, assembler machine level for sure. I mean, in the end, you don't need symbols and source code really to track these things backwards. Correct. Now, obviously, to fix the code, it makes it mandatory, but um, at least you can, you know, get to the right area, at minimum know the module to, to have a focus on, and then at worst you provide a, a big massive offset into the module to tell the developer and say, hey, you got an issue at mm -hmm. one, two, three, four, five offset, yeah. and, and then they can worry about it from there internally. Correct. And uh, if you prefer to use more traditional debugging techniques, we saw exceptions hit, forwards, they will hit backwards as well. Yeah. If, we, if, mm -hmm. if we look at that, in fact, if we do it, do it. I go to the end of the trace, which we learned at BangTT, can do that. And so I in this trace, we saw Windows Error Reporting kick in. So that's after the exception has occurred. Correct. Mm -hmm. And I go backwards and back to the exception hitting. So exceptions yeah. hit forwards and backwards, as well as other debugger events, in fact. Is there a way of finding out what percentage you're at? Not easily, but that's good feedback. We should look at that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dot TT, I don't know, dollar sign. <laughs> Actually, you can sign. look at which positions you are, which are these nice numbers that, that you have here. So you can yeah. look at where every thread is. But funny enough, it's not easy to find out the percentage. Probably because we'll have a lot of decimals, but it's good feedback. <laughs> that's we should a look good at point, that. Yeah. Awesome. So how does this apply to other languages? So let's say that you're tracing through C Sharp or JavaScript. When we saw Chakra run, which whiskey is a C++ engine, interpreting JavaScript. The logic's the same, but obviously your, um, you know, your tracing is still going to be a, a register-based X, Y to Z. Really, it's just going to be a correlation to the code problem, right? Correct. So uh, for JavaScript, I would suggest to people to use the, uh, the reverse debugging or time travel debugging feature that Chakra has. Well, you know, it's a JavaScript specific, but for managed code, if you do SOS debugging, you can actually do managed code tracing with this thing. Mm -hmm. And it will work, and we have used it. This is, it's not necessarily the most friendly experience to manage code debugging with, with WinDBG, but it, it works. In fact, it's used by, by people at Microsoft every day. Yeah. So. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you for that demo. Definitely a big, big, big deep dive into the, the gold mine that is TTD. Um, Quite frankly, it's one of those things that you kind of have to wrap your head around for an hour or so, and once you've got it, you never look back. And every time I see something like this, any crash or something, I go, get me a trace, and there's no other real approach that you want to do anymore. Thank you for coming along. Uh, the WinDBG feedback email is windbg at microsoft.com? Uh, yes. WinDBG feedback. Well, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Our show notes, as always, defragtools at microsoft.com. Put your comments, questions below. Jordi and Jake Cab, well, more than happy to answer your questions.
Enjoy digging into TTD and we'll see you next time on DFAG Tools.